0: Back, Buffalo Bills fans, it's Matt Warren, editor-in-chief at BuffaloRumlings.com and host of Buffalo Rumlings Q&A, the podcast you are listening to right now. The Buffalo Bills dropped a, a hard-fought game to the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday. Um, we've got lots of talk about the playoff picture lots of questions about how the Bills can get better. Uh, I think the Bills have been getting better even as they've been winning so this kind of reset game is is good for Bills fans but also the team a little bit to realize that they can't always make the same mistakes and continue winning Um, but we've seen growth from this team both in the coaching staff and on the players so we'll get to some more ways that they can grow uh, going forward Uh, we'll answer a bunch of questions off of Twitter. As always you can call in your questions for next week at 716 508 zero five you can tweet us at rumlings q and a that's with the word and spelled out in the middle instagram facebook you can email us buffalo rumlings at nation.com lots of ways to get a hold of us including leaving questions in the comment section on the website uh, let's get to your questions <laughs> My five immediate reactions from the game uh, really centered around the positive things that the Bills did uh, against the Baltimore Ravens, and it's not because I'm trying to play devil's advocate for the folks that are kind of you know gloomy or the sky is falling. It's just how I was watching the game. I was super impressed with the defense. They shut down the Baltimore running game. Uh, the Ravens had been averaging 5.6 yards per carry entering the game, but Buffalo held them to 3.6 yards per carry on Sunday. That's two yards per carry lower than their season average. Lamar Jackson was at 3.6 yards per carry. Mark Ingram was at 3.3 yards per carry. They are both held in check. Baltimore gained the fewest yards of their entire season and punted the most times on their entire season. So the Buffalo Bills really did a great job you know, completely changing their defense in order to stop the Ravens. And if you look at Jeff Kentrowski's piece at buffalorumlings.com on the snap count notes from the game against the Ravens, you can see how the Bills did that. They completely changed it around how they ran their defense on Sunday against the Ravens, and they proved that they can put a game plan together to stop any offense in the league, and they've done it against passing defenses, rushing defenses. They have the horses in the barn. This is a Super Bowl-caliber defense. My next takeaway was when the Bills went for two points uh with seven minutes left in the fourth quarter. So they were down by 15 points. They scored that touchdown to Cole Beasley. Um, They did something really weird. They lined up for a two-point conversion with seven minutes left in the game. Now, I don't think that that's weird, but a lot of people, including the CBS announcers, thought that that was an odd decision. Uh, But it was the right decision analytically, and, and Sean McDermott talked about it after the game. He didn't go into details, though, so let me for him. If the Bills had kicked a, an extra point there, they're down by eight points with seven minutes left. They don't know if they're going to be able to get that two-point conversion if they score another touchdown. And so it, what all it does is it just delays the inevitable. If you go for two points with seven minutes left and you fail, then you know you have seven minutes left in your game plan to score twice because you'll need nine points at that point in time. It changes how you use your timeouts, it changes how you play defense maybe, it changes how you play offense certainly. So it allows them the most amount of time to kind of changed their game strategy. And that's why it was the appropriate call with seven minutes left, assuming you're only gonna get the ball once more after that, which is what happened. They only had the ball once more after that. Now, if they knew they had to score twice, they probably would have been in hurry up offense instead of kind of taking their time on that last drive. So it obviously would have altered how they called their game plan. So it was a very great call to go for two points with seven minutes left after they scored the touchdown. I was still surprised that they did it. And Sean McDermott hasn't proven the ability to understand the analytics to this point. So, I mean, maybe it just shows that he's growing as a coach, which would be absolutely awesome. You know, he didn't know the analytics in his first season as a head coach. We criticized him heavily for it. So I'm going to praise him heavily for this when he makes the right decision um, as opposed to that November game against the Colts. Moving a little bit more toward the the negative aspects of the game the the referees were a story again uh there was several questionable calls for both teams in the game against the baltimore ravens Uh, i I don't. We we see it every game. We see it all the time, every single week. Uh, the New England Patriots had a touchdown that wasn't a touchdown because the refs missed a call. It just there's lots of problems with how the officiating is going, and when there's so many cameras, so many angles on these plays, it's just so easy to second guess the refs. And I don't envy them. I was a a, a ref in college, and I'm sure I made a bunch of bad calls, but there weren't, weren't cameras pointed at me the entire time and pointing at the game the entire time, so there was nobody second-guessing me in the same way. It's it's really difficult to, to do their job, but it's also really difficult to not criticize them when you see you know, Robert Foster being held on... A pass interference call even the Cole Beasley play at the end of the game on fourth down where he looked like he was shot with a gun and the dude falls over like that was a really ticky-tack call that went the other way the Bills got a ton of yards on that final drive based on Ravens penalties that were suspect. so I'm not saying this as you know a, a dig on the Bills like they used the penalties and the penalty yards when they could but it was just both sides weird calls The horrible first-half offense was a big problem for the Buffalo Bills. It was worse than just a, a slow start. It was prolonged. In the first quarter, they only had one first down and seven total yards, plus... Uh, a strip sack where they lost the football and allowing the Ravens to score uh, by the end of the first half it was just 74 total yards with only 18 passing yards the offensive line wasn't great Josh Allen was bad they couldn't get anything going uh, Brian Dable wasn't able to stop the pressure uh, as the the Baltimore Ravens continued blitzing and just bringing the house spring pressure against Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills offensive line uh, they were they did have one great drive from Devin Singletary in the second quarter where he just racked up you know, rushing yard after rushing yard. For whatever reason, the, the lanes were open on that drive. But uh, the, the Bills really had a struggle, a hard slog in the first half. They were able to come away a little bit better in the second half. But again, even their touchdown drive was built mainly on penalty yardage. So it wasn't a great day for the offense. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about that later in the questions. Lastly I wanted to talk about how Josh Allen must be feeling Monday morning and Tuesday uh, after taking so many hits against the Ravens. He was sacked six times for a loss of 41 yards. He also ran the ball twice and was hit you know a few times a couple times on those runs. He was hit several times after he got the ball away as well so he took at least you know 10 probably a dozen hits in the game against the Baltimore Ravens and you know it was never light taps. It was you know he got pounded and uh, I I'm sure that he was feeling it in the morning. Looking at the stats for the entire season, though, the Bills are actually doing a pretty nice job. He's only been hit 73 times in comparison to the Miami Dolphins quarterbacks, which have been hit 118 times. They lead the league in most hits. So 73 quarterback hits is 18th in the league. It's right around league average. Uh, 34 sacks uh, allowed by the Buffalo Bills is a little bit on the higher side. It's 16th in the NFL. But, you know, Allen's also taking hits on runs. He's taking hits where he's throwing the ball and then getting hit, uh, standing in the pocket. He did have to leave the game. Well, he didn't leave the game, but he did uh, come up limping once after Mitch Moore stepped on him after the Bills offensive line was knocked back into uh, Josh Allen. It was a third down attempt, I believe. Uh, So he came off the field, got his ankle wrapped. We'll see how that uh, plays into how he goes. Goes forward, but um, it looked like he was pretty mobile as the game went on, so I think those fears are kind of, you know, quelled right now. Uh, But he was still beaten and battered in that game, and it's something that they're going to have to really focus on going forward to make sure that he can sustain himself through a 19 game season. Pivoting to the question I'm getting a lot, and since the last, I don't know, couple weeks, It's been every Buffalo Bills fan's question, like, what do the Bills have to do to make the playoffs? And it's pretty easy from here on out. The Bills have to win one of their remaining three games, either against the Pittsburgh Steelers this Sunday night, against the New England Patriots the following Saturday afternoon, or against the New York Jets in week 17 of the NFL season. Uh, If they win one of those games, they are in the playoffs. That's that's all it's going to take. If they win against the Pittsburgh Steelers, they clinch at least the number five seed, which would mean they would play the lowest division winner uh, at their home. So that could be the Houston Texans or Tennessee Titans probably. Um, the The interesting part, of course, is that they could still win the division, even if they lose this week. But they're going to need some help from the, the Miami Dolphins and Ryan Fitzpatrick. So uh, the Bills could also win the division if the Patriots lose to the Bills in Week 16, and then they lose to the Miami Dolphins in Week 17, and the Buffalo Bills end up winning their final two games. So there's a few different ways the Bills can make the postseason right now still. Um, It would be best for them if they beat the Pittsburgh Steelers this Sunday, get that out of the way, then focus on beating the New England Patriots and keeping their division Hopes alive going into the final week of the season. Uh, it would be pretty remarkable if the Bills could could win the division. They haven't won the division since 1995, when the 10 and six Bills bested the nine and seven Colts and nine and seven Dolphins for the AFC East crown. More importantly than that, though, I think that the games the last few weeks have proven that the Bills belong in the playoff conversation. I'm not one for moral victories. And please don't misunderstand me saying that this game against the Baltimore Ravens was a moral victory. I don't think it was a moral victory. But it it proved that they can play defense. They have a Super Bowl caliber defense, as I said earlier. And it proved that they can play defense and keep any game within reach of their offense. Their offense sometimes takes a half to turn it around maybe they don't ever get it turned around but the defense keeps them in the games long enough to make it you know to make it possible you see what the Jaguars did a few years ago with Blake Bortles as their quarterback because they had a great defense that was able to put them in the lead at halftime of the AFC Championship game they eventually didn't win that game they lost it but i think the Bills have a better offense than the Jaguars did that year too so it shows that the Bills can win any game in the playoffs I'm not scared of the Tennessee Titans or the Houston Texans. I'm not scared of even the New England Patriots, the way they've been playing, and even the way the Bills played against defense against them earlier in the year. This Bills team looks like if they get into the postseason, they could beat any of the teams that they're going to be playing against. Are there better matchups? Sure. Are the other teams better than the Bills? Yeah. And, you know, the Bills probably wouldn't win a majority of the games against any of the division winners, or division leaders right now. But in a one-off game, even if it's at you know Arrowhead, they could win any game in the playoffs. And this defense has proven that. I think this offense has proven that they can get hot for a long enough stretch to win any of those games. And it's not a moral victory, but at least it's something to look at. When we come back from this break, we're gonna answer your questions and talk about the future of the 2019 Bills. We'll be right back after this quick commercial break. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smart Water Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. up first in our questions is Jedediah Breach who asks us on Twitter what do you think of McDermott's no challenge on the defensive pass interference I think he's probably talking about the Robert Foster pass interference Uh, it was a third down play Uh, the Ravens player clearly touched foster as he was going for the ball uh, it altered his path he actually grabbed his left hip with his left hand and then on the right side was there was contact as well Um, i'm okay with mcdermott not throwing a challenge flag here just because of the numbers on defensive pass interference being overturned on replay we haven't really seen a whole lot of of pass interference calls overturned via replay if it was any other call, <laughs> I would have been a little bit more anxious for McDermott to throw the challenge flag, but just the way that refs have been doing that doesn't seem to me like it would have been overturned via via replay, so I, I'm glad he, he kept his challenge. I'm glad he kept his timeout. Um, it's unfortunate that that's the way that the league has become, but just the way the the defensive pass interference is being called uh, i wouldn't have expected him to challenge that that play always in trouble asks us on twitter at rumlings q and a how frustrating is it to have a quarterback with an unbelievable arm but accuracy over 20 yards is trash i'm not here to say that his accuracy over 20 yards is trash i think it's hard to complete a pass that's 30 yards or longer you know when you're trying to get speed and you know the air wind speed of the swirling winds at New Era Field and everything like that, if, if he completes two of those, I mean, one bounced off Cole Beasley's outstretched hands as he was running left, throwing across his body, put it in perfect placement over the Ravens defender in Cole Beasley's hands, and he dropped it. If we get, you know, a couple... Different outcomes from some of those long passes, whether they were bounced off hands or you know contact from the defender. His his percentage is pretty much where it was last year. I'm I'm not really worried about that. I'm glad they're taking those shot plays. If if they stopped throwing those because they were worried about Allen's accuracy, that would bother me more. Um, they obviously need to keep working on it. And there's several questions here about those deep passes. Gilco Games asks us uh, how do the Bills practice long passes? I just want to know how they're constructively working on that big issue. Well, the only way to do that is to, you know, send a wide receiver deep and and have Josh Allen try to hit him in stride. When they're working with just the quarterbacks, you've seen the pictures of the, you know, the offensive assistant holding up the trash can and and having the quarterback try to drop it in the bucket or maybe it's the, you know, the net with the hole cut into it as they're trying to do those uh, pin placement passes. But it's always going to be different when there's a moving target. So, I mean, he maybe he can put it on a spot, but you know, it's it's different when he's avoiding contact in the pocket. It's different when it's the the field at New Era Stadium or New Era Field. It's different when it's indoors versus outdoors. All these things affect the throw. Even just being in the game and having a little bit extra you know, adrenaline going through your system can make you throw it a couple yards further than you want to. And when you're talking about something that is a low percentage play to begin with, now you're you know, altering it just a little bit in in game conditions. So it's not it's not like it's an easy thing to do to practice because you're never going to simulate the game experience in practice. So they're they're working on those things in practice that they should be working on, but it. It's still difficult to connect on that when you only get you know one chance or two chances at it in the game. And and the Bills did the same thing to Lamar Jackson. They took away the inside of the field on almost every play. They made him throw it outside the numbers and deep, and he wasn't able to connect on those either. So it's one of the ways that you can limit a quarterback is to just give them the long outside passes and, you know, the percentage of those even around the league is is pretty low. Um, obviously, Josh Allen has a problem with that. I'm not trying to dispute that, but it's it's something that a lot of quarterbacks around the league are dealing with. In kind of a similar vein, talking about the Bills offense, the the big questions this week around the offense are how are they going to handle the, the blitzes? Uh, the Ravens sent a lot of pressure after the Bills and it really hampered them in the first half and really throughout the game. Um, JK asks us, what can we do to help Josh improve against cover zero blitzes? Part of it is just being able to pick up the blitz and having better communication along the offensive line. Um, Dawson Knox whiffing on a block doesn't help. Um, that was what led to the strip sack in the first half. Um, it, just having a couple shorter routes, hot routes, that everybody's on the same page can really help. Um, I, I thought Allen did a good job of escaping several times against the Baltimore Ravens Uh, we saw it uh, where he was able to keep his eyes down the field and um, you just have to be able to burn them in those situations and not every defense is going to have the cornerbacks and the safeties to play cover zero against the Bills offense and uh, the Ravens were so that was part of it too. Go Bills UK asked a similar question after the Ravens set the tone for rattling Josh with the blitz. I would argue that I don't think he was rattled. I just think they weren't able to get anything done. But uh, after the Ravens set the tone for rattling Josh with the blitz, can we call an offensive plan to beat the Steelers' pass rush? And a plan B or adapt if plan A doesn't work. The Steelers' defense is really good at generating turnovers. They're really good at not letting opponents rush the ball very well not letting opponents uh, pass the ball very well they're their top five in yards and points on defense and a lot of that comes from the pressure they're able to generate Cameron Hayward Bud Dupree and TJ Watt all have eight sacks or more for the Pittsburgh Steelers they have really good players in their secondary with with Joe Hayden and uh, Minka Fitzpatrick they've They've got the horses to to really rattle the Buffalo Bills offense. So it's gonna be up to Brian Dable and really the offensive line to protect Josh Allen and open up holes for, for Devin Singletary. I hope they go a little bit more run focused in this game. It's not like they weren't run focused against the Baltimore Ravens. Devin Singletary had you know a good number of carries against the Baltimore Ravens. I don't think that was an issue. Um, but dialing up more of those short passes, um, I, I think we could see some more in the screen game coming this week. Uh, it's been something that the Bills haven't really been able to execute very well, whether it's wide receiver, tight end, or running back screens. They really need to keep working on that. But I think the biggest thing that can help the Bills offense this week is their defense getting some turnovers. You know The, the Steelers offense is 28th in yards. Their defense is fifth in yards. A couple of well-placed turnovers by the Bills defense could really help their offense this week. Um, And it's not usually something I say, but they just, they need to get the ball from the inexperienced Pittsburgh Steelers offense. David Goltry asks us on Twitter, where's the weakness on the offensive line? Was it great defense by the Ravens or was it poor play by the Bills? We have uh, Jeff Kantrowski doing his analysis article on just that very thing uh, over the next day or so at Buffalo Rumblings. We should get that article on Wednesday or maybe early, early Thursday morning. I don't know is the right answer. Uh, Jeff is going to be doing that a little bit. I wasn't able to watch the offensive line as closely as I wanted to on my initial watch, and I haven't had a chance to go back and rewatch the game just yet. That's why I set, uh, set uh, Jeff on that quest. Uh, so we'll see a little bit more of that as the week goes on for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, make sure you keep your eyes peeled for that. Finally, Bills Freedom 3 asks us, why not give TJ Yeldon a shot and sit Frank Gore at this point, I can't see how he doesn't offer you just as much as a runner and definitely more as a receiver out of the backfield, which Allen needs desperately. Frank Gore is averaging 3.7 yards per carry this year, which seems low, but when you look back at his last several years, in 2015, that's what he averaged with the Colts. In 2017, that's what he averaged with the Colts. So it's kind of par for the course. Uh, In 2016, the year in between, he was 3.9 yards per carry. One of the things that Gore has been doing is he's been the mop-up duty running back. He's been the guy carrying the ball at the end of games as the Bills are trying to salt the game away, so his yards per carry is a little bit lower. Over the last few weeks, it hasn't been very good. It's been under two yards per carry, if I'm not mistaken, um, against the Dallas Cowboys and the Baltimore Ravens. He just hasn't been getting the holes that he needs to to gain positive yardage, but he's in there as a steadying influence. And to kind of spell Devin Singletary, Singletary's been getting a ton of carries, and that's really where the Buffalo Bills running game is focused. I don't really need Yeldon in there very much because I don't know how much he actually would bring to the table. Thanks for your questions, guys. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this week's episode. Please get your questions in for next week's episode. You can call us at 716- 508-0405. You can tweet us at Rumlings and a That's what the word spelled out in the middle. Email Buffalo Rumlings at SPNation.com. You can send us Instagram messages and Facebook messages over on our social media sites over there. I wanted to thank everyone that listens and rates all of the podcasts on the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network. Uh, we are one of the best performing NFL Podcast out there. Thanks in large part to the Bills' excitement after the Dallas Cowboys game, but also because of you guys. You guys rating us, reviewing us, sharing it with your friends, and I really appreciate it. Uh, thanks, and keep doing that. Go Bills.